Testing, 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 do you read? We inhale! It's time for the Midday Man of Sports Podcast. Welcome back, episode 20 of the Midday Man of Sports Podcast. Eric Miller alongside Noah Pegler. Noah, sir, how are you? And I'm so sorry you're wearing that Celtic stuff right now. <laughs> well, here we are doing a podcast at night as we definitely wanted to fit this into our schedule. And, well, I can't really say I'm in a good mood now. My Celtics just blew another lead in the series Twice now. We lost to Milwaukee by a margin of about three points. And <laughs> here we are. Can't do anything to stop Giannis. And a competitive series. I knew it was going to be competitive. But Boston can't get over to hump right now. But other than that, I'm all right. How about you, Eric? Spent. <laughs> Honestly. just been It's been a crazy couple of days. But it's been fun. Um, we now know what child we are having, so that's good news. Yeah, I saw. Congrats, you're having a boy. Yeah, boy, uh, Derek Thomas, because you know Derek Jeter, so it has to be named after next great. Uh, Thomas is my grandfather's name, so I had to keep that name in the family, and uh, yeah, that's it. So Derek Thomas coming soon, September twenty twenty two. I had to think about what year we were in, honestly. <laughs> yeah, people always keep saying 2020 every so often because they feel it's just like one it's, giant year. It's been like the longest two weeks in two years. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so we have our new child on the way, baby boy, healthy, um, watching some great playoff games. Unfortunately, the Celtics lost. But I was thinking about it, and I'm like, you know, this is what they get for stealing a game against Brooklyn. And then this is also what they get for sweeping Brooklyn, because I think that if they had a longer series against Brooklyn and maybe if Brooklyn had given them more of a fighting chance, maybe the Celtics wouldn't, wouldn't have had that time off all that time off or Maybe they feel like they would have been battle tested instead of, well, we already dealt with these guys, these bums in New York. We can take those bums in the Midwest. We got this. And now they're down one game, three games to two, going back to Milwaukee for game six. Uh, that'll probably be Friday night and forcing game seven in Boston on Sunday. So it'll be uh It'll be interesting to see what they can do, what your Celtics can do. Yeah, to look at so far in this series, I mean, in those two games that they stole from Boston, that you had Giannis was over 40 points in those games. You had Drew Holiday also doing pretty solid with close to 20 points in, in the game three. And then when you look at, I mean, tonight with what he was able to do in that game, it was 24 points, so roughly about the same. And then, I mean, you got guys doing their job, the small roles as, you know, Pat Connaughton coming in. He'll knock down some points. He got 13 points, three for five from the three-point line. And then uh, Bobby Portis also has been a pain as well, like just trying to guard him at times. And then 
just even just their smart play to get offensive fouls out of these Celtics players. And that's been a key problem where you're seeing more fouls out of guys like Tatum, smart, also just uh, drawing some of the more contact. And then he's been banged up pretty bad and he's just fighting through the injury. And then in this game five, the Celtics didn't even have Robert Williams in, in for an entire game. So there's one guy that was definitely missing off the bench and Brown ended up with 26 points. Horford, who was a key contributor in game four, which was able to try and help things go right. He only got like points, so not much. But Boston, a lot of this, I think, comes down to experience because, again, just playing against Giannis and the Bucks is always a tough challenge. And you may think that this could be Coach Udoka's time with at least uh, this playoff run is starting to run out. It's just, you know, some teams go on good runs, and sometimes it just comes down to a hard end, especially when, you know, Udoka's such a young coach. This is only his first year leading the Boston Celtics. So even if we lose this series, it is not the biggest disappointment. And we just need to go out fighting for the series to show that we are given everything that we got. I think it is a letdown, but it's not because you have to give uh, your head coach. How do you pronounce his last name again? It's uh, Ime Udoka. Udoka. Okay. I always, I always butcher it. You have to give Udoka a little credit, but also at the same time, if we're going by what Mark Jackson and Steve Kerr did years ago, when Mark Jackson basically had that Golden State Warriors team ready, like they made it to the playoffs, they made it to the series. And then once Steve Kerr took over, that's when he elevated them to that next step. And that's when they won one championship. They lost, they got Durant, you know, then the rest is basically history. So, Yes, you can give them leeway because that it is his first year, but the players have already been here. Smart has been here for he's the most tenured Boston Celtic, which is crazy. I think it's what eight or nine years now. Tatum has been here for three going on four years. Um, you have Horford who came back, who was on the the 76ers team and now back on the Boston Celtics team because he thought that this is a better system for him than it was somewhere else. And it was probably the better chance that he had to win a championship with Boston. So it it goes both ways. I don't think it'll hurt Udoka's chances at all, but it's gonna it's gonna sting in Boston because they feel that they're this close. And it just for some reason they just can't get over the hump. Um I, I don't understand it, but at the same time, you look at their matchups that they've played against over the last several years. They played against um, against Mil- or yeah, I think it was Milwaukee. They played against the Cavaliers when LeBron James was owning the East, and he never let anyone come out of the East by himself. Uh, you you have so many good teams. You had Miami a couple of years ago in the bubble, so a lot of these teams have already done there, been there, done that, and have won. And the Celtics are like, what What more do we need? What more can we get? We've already got rid. We thought Kemba was the problem. He's not the problem. We thought this guy was a problem. He's not the problem, you know? So it just, it has to come down to who, what are you executing? Are you playing? And I think when I was looking at the final seconds of the game, it felt like Marcus Smart was really just trying to play for the foul. 
and get it called, stop the clock. Then he could shoot a couple th- free throws and then get extend the game just a little bit more. But because he didn't get the foul called, then you're maybe that's the game plan, but you got to play it out. You got to cross that half court line and get it to your your perimeter shooters to get the ball in. Otherwise, you're not going to get it in. And I think that's what ended up killing him is that kind of game plan wasn't helping the Celtics tonight. You can't just play to the refs. You have to play to your strengths. Well, no, you can never play to the refs. I mean, you're trying to control something that's a bit beyond your control. Yeah. And you're looking at this team. You mentioned uh, the whole uh, Warriors team, but then it's, I mean, it's difficult to compare that team because you're talking about Steph Curry and Clay Thompson, two players who are the best three-point duo in this era of the game and also possibly one of the greatest duos of three-point shooters you've ever seen in the NBA just because the fact that their combined effort is the reason why they've been able to put up so many of those NBA titles. And then not to mention the fact that, you know, Draymond Green, his defensive Mm -hmm. game has been applauded and just the way he really, you know, is the bad guy or really gets into that team mentality. He's always that competitive. Like that's part of the engine that really moves along this Golden State Warriors team. And then you compare it to Boston. You look at uh, Jason Tatum. He is that star that Boston needs. Now, Brown, again, there's this whole debate about Brown. Does he fit with Tatum? Does he not? Because that he was almost traded at the deadline. And then Marcus Smart. I mean, look, respect to the guy for winning the Defensive Player of the Year awards. That's great, and it's mm. the credit is due where it's due. But here we are. It's just this guy is so inconsistent with his scoring, with his play sometimes, where it's like, I don't know why we sort of hold on to him. And <laughs> yet I know he's the veteran of the team, that he's been through all the hard grind of this team. He was here with Isaiah. He was here with Kyrie. He was here with Kemba, and yet he is considered, I guess, a respected leader in that role. And I just think that, you know, if we're going to be focusing on him so much, then it's like, well, he has his limits as well. So, I mean, I'm not the biggest Marcus Smart fan. So Really? Why? Yeah. Well, I didn't like the fact that he flops a lot because I feel that because for one, I feel that ruins the integrity of the game. But at the same time, let's face it, when NBA guys sell fouls all the time, that's just part of the sport. So, Unfortunately, yeah. I mean, it's like LeBron James and Chris Paul were the two that really elevated flopping more than anyone else. Like Chris Paul still does it to this day. There are a lot of things that he, when he takes bumps, oh, oh, he hit me. Like, Come on, the, you barely touched you. <laughs> yeah, and then, but to, but to look at this Celtics team, I mean, if there has to be make, make so many changes, I, I would suggest that the Celtics need to get rid of Marcus Smart before they get rid of Jalen Brown. Really? I mean, that's just a possibility. I mean, like, because I, I'd rather see Smart go than Jalen Brown. I know that people say Brown hurts Tatum, but there, there needs to be some changes to the long longer term pieces and I don't think Brown getting rid of Brown would be a good idea. So smart not so much smart and and what can Brown do for you? So I mean looking looking at it I mean 
I mean, Brown, I feel, can just open up the floor a little more. I think he's a better shooter. He's you that, out, that's for sure. He, he's, he's a better – I think he's a better shooter than Marcus Smart. Like, I, I see Marcus Smart take these shots, and it's like, okay, well, you know, there's probably a one-in-five chance that it's going to miss, but like, – or that he's going to make it. But then mm-hmm. Jalen Brown, at least it's like more of a one-in-three shot. At least I could I, – Brown is more of a three-point shooter, I feel, than Marcus Smart is. And that's true. That's – I just think that for Boston, if you're going to try and just move more on the offense and with this team forward, it's got to be with Brown and Tatum and not smart. So how nervous are you now that the Boston Celtics are down 3-2 in this series as of right now because it's almost 10 o'clock here on Eastern time? How nervous are you for game six? Well, it's a, it's a tough blow knowing that we lost on our home court and considering a 14 point lead just fell out of our lap and it, it's a tough loss to swallow. I mean, I think we still have what it's got to compete in this series, but again, it's just uh, when, when you had the momentum shifting your way that it, it, when, when it punches you right back in the face, then mm-hmm. that's what the, that's what this loss was tonight. And <laughs> Again, it's like, obviously, it's like, you know, raw emotion, you know, losing a game like this and doing a podcast, just got to always keep that in mind. So, yeah. I mean, but again, my, my whole relationship with Smart, it's always up and down. I, I love them and I hate them sometimes. So, all right, fair enough. All right. So speaking of another series, let's let's switch gears to uh, the Heat and 76ers. How so if I'm looking at my board correctly. Hmm. Philadelphia, you have one there for your uh, your finals pick. Are you are you comfortable with this pick yet? Are, are you yeah. having any doubts? Honestly, I mean, not really. After Philadelphia came and bounced back a bit, so I mean, I know yesterday on Tuesday was a bit of a blowout, one twenty eighty five. But series is still heading back to Philadelphia. Got to have a bit of a fight in you in the final game. But with Joel Embiid not playing 100%, also with James Harden, kill it. I'm sorry. James, I knew James James Harden going to the Sixers was a bad idea. I knew that from the beginning. And he's proving it. He has been terrible at the three-point line. This is not the same James Harden that we saw with the Houston Rockets. Now, again, I know I've said this on the podcast already. He doesn't need to be the same James Harden who took over games. But he needs to be better and he's he's just not right now i don't i don't see it yeah it's crazy to look at what james harden's gone through in the last you know few years and yeah. i mean what 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 has happened to him and i know it's like houston you know it made him it created his identity the self man the beard brought in the mvp and really that culture and team was built around him with D'Antoni. And that was, you know, almost like his peak, his top of his game. And this, the, the, the Rockets were so close in that. I believe it was 2017, 2018, uh, that year. They Even the 2014, to... 2015 season, they were close. Yeah. But then of course that, that year they got Chris Paul into the team and yet they and just needed to close out that game with the Warriors, yep. and they didn't. They missed 27 three-pointers in the second half of that game. It was just awful. I mean, the fact that this happens, 
and it just it's a, it's like 28 to three with the Falcons. How do you come up on that? It, it you just, don't. It, 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 it just is a devastating loss where you don't really recover from it. the team just got dismantled after that. Houston's in a rebuild and I just done the, and Harden, I mean, again, he's just trying to figure out where he fits in Brooklyn. He did what he could, but then yep. he just couldn't stay healthy. Yep. And then now he jumps to Philadelphia mid season because both teams feel, you know, we got to get rid of these guys that, you know, really don't want to be here or, you know, just don't fit with our culture. Mm-hmm. And so that's why Simmons is gone. And then they needed to send away some more players. And then Harden comes in, yet Philadelphia is expecting him to make the immediate success. And right now it just hasn't been there. I mean, it, it, he's just still trying to figure out his way to fit in. I mean, it, because you got to think where you're competing in this team you got to try to figure out how you to work with Embiid when he's healthy and then yep. you got to work with rotating guys like Thibel and Maxi who have really been their top guys throughout this season because I mean Maxi has really been uh another guy that is going to be part of this big future of the Philadelphia 76ers yeah Maxi has been I think the best acquisition for them I think it was what is he a rookie I mean I don't think I remember hearing about him very much he's gotta be a rookie He's getting a lot of playing time this year. Yeah, he's finally, like, in the system. I think Doc Rivers loves him, too. He gives you a lot of effort. He gives you so much, uh, just so much potential there for him. And to be a star in Philadelphia, it's going to be tough for him. But, I mean, I'm hoping that he can do it uh, for his sake and for Philadelphia 76ers State. But I think at the same time, it's – it's so difficult because James Harden is such a good player. He really is. And his step back is just one of the greatest step backs ever in the game. And the fact that he, I don't think he's ever going to win a championship. I think the only way he's going to win a championship is if he goes to Golden State. And I don't think that's ever going to happen because then he's going to have to be the sixth man, which is basically the beginning of his career again in OKC. And I don't think he wants to do that. But at some point in his career, he's got to start realizing what do I need to do to be, to be a champion? Like, do I, do I last, do I shoot so many threes? Is that not going to help? I I don't really know. And I think he's one of the most unfortunate players of this era in the NBA right now. I think he's going to stay. He's taking over Carmelo Anthony's role as one of the most talented, but not fully reached potential in the NBA. That's an interesting take there. I mean, obviously, Carmelo Anthony regarded with so much respect mm-hmm. for the game, his shooting ability, and everyone you you ask people like Carmelo Anthony going to be a Hall of Famer, they'll tell you, yeah, for sure. So yeah. Just, yeah. Just, just based on his total stats and his early playing career, like a lot of people don't even want to look at you know the last five years where you know all he's done is go from like Houston to OKC to that time he was you know traded for Atlanta for like 30 days or something and then um th- then he ends up with the Lakers and <laughs> yeah you're laughing at that whole Atlanta joke there because oh, man, it was, that, was, that was terrible <laughs> it was so terrible he was also on the Trailblazers as well for uh, see that made sense though because that was actually okay trade or even just a pickup for them because it was able to help them spread out the floor now it because of COVID, we were never able to fully see what they could do. But man, that like, if if this was like New York Knicks, Carmelo Anthony, and Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum, 
and I don't even know who else they have. Like that, that's a good team right there. Yeah, you, that's a big you three. And a healthy uh, Yusuf Nurkic because yeah. Nurkic could actually be a big part of that team. And then you're talking about uh, Anthony when he was healthy with the Knicks. Like I like I remember, yeah, like 2000, like what 10 to like 2013 yep. was yep. like peak Carmelo in New York. Like that was when the Knicks fans started to have a little more hope with this franchise. We where, have faith. <laughs> where 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 they had guys like Stoudemire and then. I'm trying to remember. I think it was either 13 or 14 when they also had uh, Lynn Sanity uh, that yeah, you know, and, took off for a bit. And unfortunately, it didn't work out because, like, I mean, no offense, Lynn Sanity wasn't as good, but he was he was a player and he still gave you something. Now, it was never going to work out with the Lakers. That's a whole different story. But what you, talk, what you said, like Lynn Sanity? Yeah, Lynn Sanity in the lake and like LA. It was never going to work yeah. out. Yeah, and then and then he ends up going to Toronto, winning a championship. But look, just go, just going back to this. I mean, we we got all the way to Lynn Sanity off of James Harden. Uh, somehow we, we we made it there. You are but here. You are now here. One, one one heck of a rabbit hole. But then just as Philadelphia, I mean, I'm riding out with this pick mainly because that's what you do when you pick a team. You got to ride with them all the way to the end. So I was okay with staying with Philadelphia, and. Now I'm again. I'll write it out until the end, and I I picked them. I believe in seven games or six games, so that's what it's got to take for them to to do it anyway. So I'm gonna stick with my pick as the Sixers. I'm just gonna say I feel very confident in Miami right now. I think Miami. I think and the the here's my difference, and it's a big difference, and it's one player that's the difference. Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler is proving to everyone why you should have never doubted him in Minnesota, why he was not the problem in Philadelphia, and why this is his team in Miami. Jimmy Butler's mentality is what's going to propel Miami to the finals. And I and if it is Milwaukee, I like I don't know who you're without Middleton, you're not going to be able to to guard, you're not going to be able to put Grayson Allen on Jimmy Butler. Now that may be an agitation just waiting to happen and a couple technicals, maybe some elbows here and there, but you're not going to be able to lock down Jimmy Butler for long. And if Kyle Lowry also comes back, that's my dark horse in all of this. If he can come back healthy, that that playoff experience by just these two players is enough. That's going to propel them over Milwaukee or Boston, whoever wins that series. But that is if Miami gets there. They still have to play game six. I believe that's tomorrow night. So I'm hoping Miami will be able to finish it, put the nail in the coffin. Maybe Jimmy Butler is standing there with a three, and he looks at everyone and says, it's over, like Vince Carter said in the slam dunk contest, and said, remember me? It wasn't me. It's you, not me. And then walks away as a winner in Philadelphia. Yeah, that would be fitting, Jimmy Butler, to, you know, uh, get a win over the Sixers to, you know, beat the team that he was recently on before that. And can you imagine if, uh, what, what's his name? Coach Brown was there. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Was, and it, it's so weird too. Cause I think Jimmy Butler talked about it on JJ Reddick's podcast as well. Like it, it wasn't me. Like it was just a lot of things. And I think I wonder how much Ben's the whole Ben Simmons saga and 
uh, Joel Embiid saga kind of didn't help with that either. Like that was that was huge back then because everyone was saying, "Well, who are you going to pick? You're going to pick Ben Simmons. You're going to pick Joel Embiid. Are you, I think you should go with Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons is better productive, but Joel Embiid because Joel Embiid is always hurt. But now Joel Embiid is healthy and look, oh man, he's an MVP caliber guy. Oh, but Ben Simmons doesn't want to play. <laughs> like all of that. If you're in one team, I wouldn't want to be part of that. Heck no. I, I want someone yeah. else. out. Yeah, Butler just really wanted to make his own choice at that point because yeah. you know the he was on the Bulls and the Bulls were going nowhere. You mentioned the trade to the, the, the Minnesota. Well, he's he went there, but then he didn't want to be part of that team anymore. Thibodeau and the fact that it's like, well, where is this team going out here in the West? It's not going to work. <laughs> and plus, I don't think he wanted to stay in Minnesota. So Miami, cool Miami offers a much more uh, pop uh, popular lifestyle. And one thing with Butler, he is a great player and undervalued at times in this given game. Mm-hmm. I just don't, I just don't know if he, he I even though he can't, he can ha- take this team to the finals. I just don't think it's enough. Like you don't spe- think so. Even if he has to take on a healthy Suns team or even Golden oh, no. State, like can you imagine? Like I'm, I'm still taking the Warriors with Steph Curry and Klay Thompson because those guys. When they are on fire, that is championship glory and just overall just a one of the unstoppable teams in the, in the NBA ahead of others. And that's why I would think with the Heat, this is a team that I think you, you mentioned they're a team capable of getting to the finals, but I don't know if it's still enough to get them to the, that championship. I don't know. It's just like uh, out of the East, I mean, they're the best team in the East. Like that's why they're the number one seed. But uh, like any any number one of these teams can win, and like let's face it, any one of these last remaining eight teams can win this whole thing. Well, not eight, isn't it? Like, yeah, is it eight? Well, we're not, we're not we're four. down to down the last, down to eight, but yeah, like the four in one conference, four in the other. You know, math. It's too late for math. Who who does math at ten o'clock at night? <laughs> you know. I, I would say either people who seriously care about their homework or that college student that, you know, decides to hold off his assignment until midnight. Uh, that, I mean, that was me. Not going to lie. <laughs> I, I didn't purposely wait till midnight. It's just that I work that way. So <laughs> No, I literally would wait. Like I'd watch the game and like still do homework at the same time. So, yeah, I, I try. I multitask, but I'm more paid attention to more important things, <laughs> but I like, I don't know. My Miami versus golden state would be interesting because you'd have both teams that play small ball very well. And I think, I think Draymond green would be fun to watch in that series. Cause Draymond and bam would be fun. You know, bam would try bam's not a, a guy that's going to let you get in. But and that's what has been going on with the the Sixers with Joel and Bam and I think some of those calls you gotta let them play like this is ridiculous this is this is playoff basketball let them play it out it, it's it's too many fouls on Bam and there, some of the inconsistency on the refs has been I don't know if it's been blatant but you kind of tell like oh we we gotta let these guys win a little bit please come on. Yeah, I mean, you look at it, the officiating has been a bit iffy in a lot of these series. Like, if you ask some of the coaches, I know, like, the Grizzlies have been upset with some of the officiating 
And yeah. I believe at least th- this series against Golden State. I mean, Boston's kept their uh, kept their mouth shuts a bit, but I mean, <laughs> well, so is Giannis. There, there could be some. Didn't he make the comment like, "How much is a fine?" I'll say, "I need to buy diapers." <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that, there was that whole thing where uh, that I love that dunk by Al Horford when uh, he also sort of like you know, I mean, he hit Giannis Oops. there, but that was that that was a statement dunk. I mean, oh, the yeah. fact that you know Giannis Giannis looked back at him like that, I was like, "No, that's disrespectful," <laughs> and that's why I was so happy when you know Horford, the veteran was there to try and show him up a bit like that. So speaking of another series, you'd mentioned the Grizzlies and the Warriors. I don't think the Grizzlies have a chance without Morant. But here's the thing. I could see them at least stealing another game or forcing game seven with, unfortunately, the knee contusion that uh, John Morant has, which could potentially sideline him for the rest of the postseason. However, they were better without John Morant. And it's not saying that John Morant's not valuable. It's just saying John Morant gives you more, but without him, they rely on each other better, if that makes sense. Well, that's been the big argument this year because that's how it started with the Grizzlies. They started out so well, but then Morant got hurt. They were still winning games. They were yeah. on fire, arguably one of the best teams. And then Morant comes back. They start losing a bit. And then there was like this whole thing where the Grizzlies fans were saying, you know, can Morant stay out for a bit? We're, we're, <laughs> we're, 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 we're winning games here. Like, don't ruin our flow here. And Morant was sort of felt disrespected due to the fact he's like, you know, this is my city. And, you know, I like I want to play here. And come on, like the, <laughs> I'm, I'm doing this for you guys, and yet you want me to just sit on the bench? Heck Do you not no. know who I am? Do you not know who I am? I'm John Morant, man. Yeah, I run he, this city. Yeah, and he's <laughs> hoping for that. And you were you mentioned the whole thing with the Grizzlies playing so well. They had the lead in the fourth quarter in their last game. It was game four. And yeah. I was watching that game a bit and I was seeing some clutch shots also from Thompson and Curry down the stretch. And then even in the final minutes, like that Memphis had the ball, but yet they missed some key uh, shots. And then also I think they missed like a key free throw as well. Yeah. That was a, a big part of why they just couldn't get things done. And then you just sort of had that feeling that golden state was going to sneak up on them and possibly take this game. And Memphis has to look at this and try and at least force another game. I mean, at this point, getting Morant back is doesn't seem like an option at all. And no. I believe he's pretty much out indefinitely. And it it's always tough when you lose your star player. And, I mean, I'm excited to look at Memphis in the near future about with guys like Desmond Bain. I mean, nobody really knew who Desmond Bain was until, like, maybe this year. I mean, you look at some of the top like score lines for players in Memphis, like during the regular season, I was seeing Desmond Bain near the top. And then everyone was looking at uh, guys like Dylan Brooks. He's another guy that could actually shoot from three at different points in the game. And I, I remember specifically with Dylan Brooks that he almost ended up being with the Suns. I mean, originally Phoenix wanted him. They thought they were getting Dylan Brooks, but no, the Grizzlies offered him Marshawn Brooks, 
And yet there was a bit of there was a bit of confusion. Like, wait a minute, we got the wrong Brooks here. And Crap. so then the, the trade was waved off. It, it would have sent uh, Trevor Ariza, I think, to Memphis. That's how why I remember that trade, because I think Ariza was like on uh, like Houston or something. I think it may have been like a multiple team trade. But then just Memphis with all these different pieces and what they can hopefully do with uh, the cap space, mm-hmm. hopefully balance it out. And, you know, hopefully they don't mess this up like how they did with uh, Connolly and Parsons and all that, where they locked them into terrible contracts and then ruined this team because this is uh, getting Memphis to believe in basketball again. Yeah. And it's really interesting too, because like, like you said, Desmond Bain, who knew, honestly, I didn't even remember. I don't even remember hearing about that guy. You know, it's crazy to see like now they have youth now, like Kyle Anderson, who came from the Spurs is now on that team as well. Tyus Jones, who came from Duke, by the way, uh, has some good pedigree in him as well. So you're getting guys that have been on good teams, good solid teams over the last several years, and they're finally putting something together, a winning culture in Memphis. So it's really it's fun to watch um, what, what this Memphis Grizzlies can, team can do. But are they really going to invest in Ja, or are they going to try to use the whole San Antonio Spurs thing where we don't need stars – we're just going to play as team ball and go from there. It's going to be a really interesting argument to see which one they side with in the next two or three years, because John, you have John Moran on a rookie contract right now, but he's going to ask for a lot of money and he well deserve it as well. But are you willing to give that up or do you just want the team instead? Yeah. And the question is for Morant, what leverage do you have? I know he's only been in the league for a few years, but you look at some of these other guys that are going to be get, that already got contracts. I mean, Giannis, he won an MVP. He won a finals. Like you need at least something to back you up. I mean, if Morant gets his team to the finals, then you could at least give your way talking to where, okay, give me this money right now. And then mm-hmm. I'm of course, Jokic. I mean, the guy just won his second straight MVP. I mean, this guy was not on top draft boards. He was taken in the second round. And yet nobody nobody really thought much of this guy probably when he came in. And yet here we are, Nikola Jokic, top player in in the NBA as far as, you know, just getting rebounds. His passing game has been respected so much. And then even scoring of how just what Denver has been able to do as mm-hmm. a basketball team. And it's really interesting, too, because think about this. Had Jamal Murray played. Would Jokic have won back-to-back champ or MVPs? Yeah, you're talking about you know sharing the ball and what that would have meant, and then I'm sure Sixer fans felt robbed because you know I'm sure a bunch of Sixer fans felt you know Embiid should have been the MVP because they how he was top near points per game and just overall effectiveness of leading the Sixers this year. True. So I and it's it's. You can make the argument either way. He is the most viable player on that team, but is he the most viable player in the league? It's a different argument as well because Jokic is also in that category, most viable player on the team. But I don't know. I don't know how you vote against 
Embiid, but I also don't know how you vote against Jokic as well. They're both the same guys. They're both seven feet. You know, they're both centers. So it's what what is really the it has to be like the the minute details of why. I was going to say probably minor details, but then also maybe overall health, maybe it play a factor into it. Yeah. Like I know both, both guys may get injured, but at the same time, Embiid has been hurt much more. more. Yes. He's and been, he, he missed more time maybe. And that that's, I think that's why they went with Jokic instead. Not saying that he's that Embiid is not an MVP. He's he is. It's just who's been injured less time. And that obviously goes with, with Jokic instead. So, and I think that's where the argument is. Um, it, it's really interesting. Like, it's just, it's so tough because who do you go against? <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, to, to officially answer it, I mean, in, in the given year, Jokic played 74 games while Embiid only played about 68. But, he's, I mean, I'm not sure if that really played a role in some of the decisions that were made in the MVP voting. Yeah. I, I don't know. It, it's, it's so difficult. Like I could see both arguments, but at the same time, well, Embiid was hurt. Jokic wasn't. Jokic didn't really have as many good, solid players like Embiid did with Tobias Harris, with Danny Green, who's already won three championships with J- James Harden eventually following along, you know. So maybe maybe that's also part of the argument. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There's just a lot. There's so much up in the air. Yes, uh, whole support supporting cast stuff about who you have, and that's why you look at why Aaron Rodgers keeps winning MVPs for the Packers. Well, it's because there's no one there in Green Bay, and everyone that does go there leaves eventually. Why does everyone leave me? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Rogers. <laughs> Why can't we win a championship? Oh, fuck you, Brady. <laughs> Speaking of Brady, he's going to be a broadcaster hey, soon. Hey, how about that? He's getting paid $37 million. He's getting paid more to broadcast than he is to play football. <laughs> oh, it's great. It's so great. Good old Brady making waves no matter where he goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's going to be the co. So he's ba- you know what it is. Tony Romo opened this up to- with Tony Romo's newest contract that he got. This is why Tom Brady is like, wait, he's getting that money at CBS. Oh, heck no. I can do that. And I'm a seven time Super Bowl champ. And I'm going to Fox. But it's also better because now Fox, like Fox is back up there with Kevin Burkhart and eventually uh, Tom Brady whenever he retires. We don't even know when Tom Brady is going to retire. That's the best thing. Tom Brady is still probably going to be playing until he's 53, maybe 55. So we got like 10 more years until that happens. <laughs> it, I mean, Brady playing out there at 55 would be a sight to see. Oh, it would be. Uh, oh, <laughs> and, and Brady. Oh, looks like he's uh stumbling a bit. He, he may have uh had a bit of a muscle spasm there. As, he might have ruptured you know, a hernia. <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> but you meant you, you talked about uh broadcasting contracts. I mean, 
it's going to get to the point where by the time Patrick Mahomes retires and then people want him to broadcast, they're going to be paying him like a hundred million dollars for one game. <laughs> for, 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 yeah. For, well, for broadcasting. I mean, <laughs> just, just because, you know, um, Amazon Prime's probably going to get more expanded rights and, you know, they want Mahomes. <laughs> yeah. And so he'll go to, he'll go to Amazon. Tony will still be at CBS and Brady will be at Fox. And then Breeze will still be at NBC. Yeah. And then so you only we, have quarterback broadcasters. Poor Greg Olson's going to get lost in all this because Greg Olson is with Kevin Burkhart right now. So when Brady comes, hey, Olson, sorry, something personal. Brady's got seven, you got zero. I, that's the only argument we can go with. Yeah. Apparently it's all about reputation rather than personality. I mean, also, but Romo's I mean, got nothing. <laughs> yeah, because Romo's got no rings. And then just to look at this, I'd rather take a bunch of other QBs from different teams than, you know, having every single broadcasting network be run by like Dallas Cowboys, because you can almost count them with all the Cowboys. You had Romo, you had Witten at one point, you had Aikman, Jimmy Johnson, who I, again, respect the Sunday uh, crew on that pregame show. But then you even have Daryl Johnston, who I believe Moose, as they call him. It's like, how many, how many Cowboys do we have here? They got more broadcasters than they do Super Bowl rings. Actually, I think they have about the same amount. If you think about Olsen or uh, Witten, Romo, Johnston, Aikman, <laughs> Jimmy. Yeah, that's five right there. Yeah, five times, much. man. Yeah, five times. <laughs> we got five rings. We need five announcers. Yeah. <laughs> And that's all you're going to get for Super Bowl rings. <laughs> and it's also great because I don't know if you read this, but Aikman put out his statement of how, I mean, I don't know if you also listened to, I think it was, it was wild card weekend when Fox had Tampa and Philly and CBS had uh, San Francisco and Dallas. And Aikman was so pissed that he was not there. And he was blatant on the call. Like, yeah, I can't believe we're not at that game. It's an NFC game. (laughs) I think that was the moment right there where people were like, oh, Aikman's gone. Aikman's not coming back to Fox. If you're going to start saying that about your network, there's, there's a time and place to say these things. On air is not the time or place. You have millions watching that game and millions listening around the world. I'm sorry. You can't do that. Well, it's the one thing about working with some of these quarterbacks where, I mean, they they sometimes just think that they can at least act the way they act and then also and get away with it, it. pretty much get away with these things. Yeah, because, I mean, there's a lot coming out about Elway and what he did with his time as a GM of the Broncos because remember Brian Flores as he showed up to his meeting late and also kind of, you know, tipsy. Yeah. You know, and, and even uh, Joe Buck even admitted that, you know, he's drank a, a beer during a game. And then when, um, what was it? He, since, since he worked with Troy Aikman and cause Troy Aikman's Mr. Classy, he's got to switch to like uh martinis, I think. <laughs> like oh, fancy yeah, drinks. I heard about that. So, <laughs> Here they are, you know, drinking on the job. Uh, I'm sure all of us have at least done that once. I know I have. (laughs) You're a professional, man. Come on. I'm not. Listen, I was drinking water earlier. 
I'm not uh, talking about this job. I'm talking about other I, jobs. I was okay. honest with them eventually. Uh, I, all right. Well, anyway, I mean, I hope they don't carry that tradition over to Monday night football because for one, it's like, come on, like a Monday night. I <laughs> would be great. You know, it's also great. I was reading. I've actually read the Joe Buck book. I don't know if you've ever read it. The Lucky Bastard book. It's actually really insightful, by the way. Uh, you can get it anywhere you get your books. It's not a plug, by the way. But there, and actually, this kind of leads me to my question of the day, because I really haven't been able to find a question of the day. And now I'm going to ask you about this. So there was a team during a broadcast, I believe in 2000, 2001, when Joe Buck and Troy Aikman were doing a broadcast team. And this quarterback went down, and it's a well-known quarterback. So think back to this time of period, all right? Okay. And they were do- – like, obviously, Fox normally does which conference – that's not the question, but N- NFC. Yeah. Okay. So think about that and think about just the, some of the things that I've already said. So they were doing a game and this head coach of this team texted him during the game in the halftime and asked him or actually called him and said, Hey, how available are you? And could you suit up in the next week or so? Because we have a buy. Could you think of this team? And you're going to be shocked, by the way, of what this team is and who this person was. So it's an Uh, NFC team. Okay. And I'm trying to think of a not so subtle way of uh, telling you what it is without telling you what it is. Um, No, because I would give it away. No, I mean you're saying 2001 or something. It was around there. This okay. their their quarterback just went down with a season-ending injury with an ACL, and the head coach contacted Troy Aikman during a broadcast during their halftime, and he listened to the voicemail, and like he, I, th- I think he's actually open about it now, but he he was like, yeah, I got a phone call from this team from this head coach that said, can you suit up? And he thought, he was thinking about it. He didn't do it, obviously, but he thought okay, about um, it. Uh, I was going to guess the St. Louis Rams. Nope. Okay, I had to guess. Philadelphia Eagles. Andy Reid uh, called him, and I'll have to find the part in the book eventually. But I, I remember just reading that. I'm like, what? The Eagles? No. Wow. Yeah, and Joe Buck was right there, and he heard it, and he's like, okay, am I going to lose out on my my broadcast partner now? Are you going back to the NFL? Honestly, you said Aikman, right? Yeah. I can't fathom the fact that, you know, what would be worse, Dallas, you know, disowning him for putting on an Eagles jersey or the fact that Philadelphia would literally boo him and probably throw, like, Garbage at him him. as soon as he walked out at them. It's like you can't wear these colors. That's like completely awful. Like wearing Eagles green. <laughs> it's so great, but it's like, wow, that that actually okay. Uh all right, that happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, Joe Buck talked about that in his unlucky bastard book. Crazy moment, just so crazy. Yeah. Um, look, so also looking at some other series. So obviously, can we agree that Golden State is 
most likely going to win this series tonight. <laughs> yeah, we can pretty much agree on that. Okay. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Memphis wins at least one, maybe this one. But if they go to the game six, Golden State's going to win that. <laughs> I think so. On their own home court, that's just asking that Steph Curry's going to light it up. Yeah. And then if we look at uh, the Suns and Mavericks, now the Suns finally have the three games to two uh, lead in the series. Um, I, I think the Suns finally got it. I think they finally found a formula to win. I mean, they, if anyone's really been getting messed up with foul calls, it's been the Phoenix Suns in this series. And I don't know what Jason Kidd's uh, game plan has been, but whatever it is, it's worked. And it's it's pretty intense that they're not getting – Devin Booker's going off, but they're really foul getting Chris Paul out of the game quick and early. And also Mikael Bridges is starting to like not become that defensive player candidate that they've seen during the season. Yeah, Chris Paul – had so many fouls in, I believe, game four that it was really becoming a big problem for them. And, I mean, it it took them out of that game. They were starting to come back, and then it just sort of fell apart in the final minutes. Yeah. Not to mention mention Finney Smith was knocking down shots in that game. But then you look at game five, and they won 110 to 80. That's a 30-point win, and in that game, Chris Paul only scored seven points. Yeah, I mean, you would you would think out of a veteran like Paul to have a bit more, but of course he had 10 assists, so he's the big guy who facilitates the ball, and then Aiton had 20, Booker 28, and that just shows that Devin Booker has this talent all along. He just needed the right pieces around him yep. to, and also the right coach, Monty Williams. I mean, big piece right there. Always knowing that there's a coach to help out. And now Phoenix, they just need to finish things out in Dallas. I mean, I know Luca's going to try and put on a show for the crowd for Dallas to show that, you know, we're a fighting team yep. and at I mean, I knew this could have been a, a close series, and this is going to be uh, very exciting to see the future, even with Dallas, as long as Luke is going to be a part of it. There was a lot of uh, possibilities that he could have been gone, but this could keep him around. And it's I think there's one player that we're forgetting to mention for the Suns team is is Joe, uh, Jay Crowder. Jay Crowder now also, by the way, has been in the NBA Finals the last three years, and tr- at least trying to make it three years in a row. So his defensive awareness, his offensive prowess, he's gotten better at the three-point line, especially in this series, because they're not re- they know, okay, we could live if you make it or you don't make it. We can live with that. We can live with your mid-range. It's more when you drive in, but you kick it out. That's what that's what the uh, Mavericks probably can't really live a lot with. I mean, it's been working, but Jake Crowder defensively has been doing extremely, extremely well. And I think with the Mavericks, they need more players. I think Brunson is a good player, but he's, he's not the solid player that they need. They need, like, if they got C.J. McCollum or if they got Bradley Beal, that would be a player that they should probably really try to pursue and get. They would have those two players, have Brunson coming off the bench and have uh, Finney Smith come off the bench as well. Then you you got something, but they're missing that one key piece, something that can stretch out the floor. But if they get one of those two guys, they they could be a force to reckon with, and I could see them possibly upsetting 
uh, Phoenix. I don't think they're going to do it this year, but they're they're still up and coming and they're still on a rise. It's just you're missing that one little piece. Yeah, and you mentioned Bradley Beal. That could have been something that was mentioned in the whole Porzingis trade, and yep. they were just like, well, worth a shot. So <laughs> Dallas at least has uh, smart scouting when they use it because, I mean, the fact that they were able to find Luka Doncic um, as an overlooked player, especially because everyone was focused on Marvin Bagley from Duke, I mean, yeah. as the Kings. Duke, by the way. And <clears throat> I mean, it, it, it's the Duke reputation, but the it Kings is. get a lot, get a lot of criticism where it's like, oh, we could have had Luca, but we decided not to take him. Yeah, yeah. So, are you feeling comfortable with the Suns pick? Oh, most definitely. I mean, okay. it, it it it's tough when you know Booker's health is in question, but I'm st- I'm sticking with the Suns. Yeah, and and that's the thing. Like, I don't think his. I think he's back to health and you know i think he's 100 percent, or at least 85 but 85 percent, 90 percent. devin booker is still much better than any other kind of booker and that most of those players on the team besides luca luca and and devin are basically the same guy anyways but once you average those two guys out the sun's just their depth is so much better than than dallas mm-hmm. So, and hopefully by the next time we do, I mean, actually by the next time we do our next episode, we'll be talking about the Western Eastern conference uh, finals and we can really preview that one instead. Um, Let's switch gears to baseball real quick. Who is a team that has really surprised you? Um, well, in a good way, I mean, to see a team that has been quite surprising, I would have to say Minnesota would be one. I mean, People weren't were always down on Minnesota, so that's at least one team that's starting to show a winning record, and maybe Correa can finally teach him how to beat the Yankees in the postseason. Doubt it. And although you have Gary Sanchez, so it's not gonna happen. Yeah, well, and then um, <laughs> some other te- some other teams right now. Um, I'm surprised out of, out of the resilience of the Mets, the fact that uh, they they showed an amazing comeback against the Phillies. I was like, what? Like, <laughs> what? what Usually the Mets are on the other end of that stick, and so they usually are the ones blowing the leads. And then give credit to the L.A. Angels, the fact that, you know, there, there's at least uh, a good possibility that we might finally get to see Otani and Trout both in the postseason this year. Doubt it. <laughs> I I don't buy into them. I will never buy into them. I think they're good players, but I as a team, I think they're lacking too much. And I think having Noah Syndergaard is going to help them. But Noah Syndergaard hasn't been in the playoffs since 2015 when he lost against Kansas City uh, Royals in the World Series. Um, I, I'm not buying into the Angels until I actually see it. Last time I did, they got swept. They got swept bad by the World Series runners up in the Royals. And I don't, I just, I don't see it. I'm not convinced by them yet. Now, I am surprised. That your Boston Celtic or Boston Red Sox are eleven and twenty, and in the bottom of the American League East. Yeah, the fact that we're worse than the Orioles right now does not set well for Boston. And That's pretty bad, man. No, no, it is. It is. It really is. The the hitting is not paid off right now. Devers, I mean, has sort of been kind of quiet, not producing as much. Um, even though he hit a grand slam yesterday against Atlanta, but that was. Finally, <laughs> so, so some help, yeah. And then 
Trevor's story, he's still <laughs> learned. He, he hasn't really fit in yet. The guy's yeah. striking out a lot. And I don't know if it's because he's used to playing in Colorado and, you know, he's on the other side of the country and playing at Fenway is such a different ballpark. It's a, it's a smaller ballpark. You got to remember in Colorado, course field, it's like a giant, massive playing area in the outfield where, you know, Oh, there's a hit to the outfield and, you know, the guy's already at third base. So that's just a big hit wherever you may go in that part of the outfield. And the pitching, the, the pitching's weak right now. This is a really weak point in the pitching because Eduardo's gone. He's in Detroit. And then yep. S- Sale, Sale is still hurt. And his timetable has been pushed back again. And we get the only reason at this point he's still here is because we owe him that money on the contract. And I don't think we're really bringing him back after this. I mean, just the fact that he's getting older and I'm sure Heim Bloom, the GM, is taking more of an analytical approach and seeing how if Sale can't stay at his healthiest, there's no analytical benefits at all for Sale to stay at this time in his given age. And the starting pitchers just with guys like Tanner Houck, I mean, he needs to stay out there. And then also COVID seriously, yeah. I, I, I am so frustrated with COVID and how it's affected Boston because at one point, both of our catchers, Kevin Plawecki and Christian Vasquez, both tested positive for COVID. And then we had to bring up some guy named Connor Wong from Wooster at this Worcester. point in this season. And it's like this happened last year when we had to bring up like <laughs> half our triple A team because our guys weren't staying healthy. And then our one guy, Tanner Houck, he couldn't go because he's not vaccinated. He can't go into Canada. And so we can't play the Blue Jays with our full starting pitching out there available for this team. And I'm not blaming Cora for this because he, he's the reason why this team got back into its winning ways last year. So mm-hmm. he, he, he should he be getting all this. He, I, he gets the pass. Yes. And then at, at the same time, it's like this team – I don't think we'll be the same next year because we got a bunch of guys on expiring deals. And unfortunately it's not looking good with the Red Sox and Bogarts. Bogarts, unfortunately no longer looks like he wants to be part of this team. He's been around for a while. He, he's been around since 2013. He was there when we won against the St. Louis Cardinals. So he's been here for quite some time and no matter, it doesn't look like any amount of money may change his mind. Also, by the way, it's kind of funny that on uh, MLB.com, RedSox.com, that it says that after Cora shaves off beard, Sox shake off losing streak, and then they lose again today to the Braves. But on a positive note, at least Trevor's story went deep for the first time with the Sox. Well, so- somebody's got to break a few bats, you know, and maybe <laughs> may- maybe smash a TV like the Phillies did because that's what Carlos Santana did when they were trying to go to the playoffs and – all their young players are playing Fortnite in the clubhouse. <laughs> I will admit, I'm actually really shocked with the Yankees. I did not think that they were going to be into this hot start. Uh, 22 and eight. They're first in the American League East. They're also first in all of uh, baseball with the most wins and less losses. So best team in baseball right now is the Yankees. And I didn't think their starting pitching could do well. I, I really didn't. And I never have this many high hopes for the Yankees this early in the season, but they're starting to play with my emotions and I don't like it. 
because I'm not used well, to it. Well, come back in October and hey, 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 calm down. But then, but then, just, but just, but just again, just we'll go back to reality. You, but, but, but just to remind you that if this season doesn't work out, say goodbye to Aaron Boone because everyone keeps saying how Steinbrenner would have fired his butt last year, and how again it's like the Yankees need to figure out how to win with this team. See, here's the thing. I don't think he's leaving, and I don't think Cashman's leaving either, because I think they're very buddy-buddy with Hal Steinbrenner. And because I think they're buddy-buddy with Hal Steinbrenner. That was the reason why Joe Girardi left and was let go, because he wasn't all about the analytics. He was about the, I got to feel it. I got to know the strategy. I got to know the game plan. Aaron Boone is all analytics, and that's why it's saving his job. Now, Brian Cashman said this year in the offseason, we are only going for defensive players. They get Josh Donaldson at third, which is a much better defensive player than Gio Urshela. They 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 obviously keep uh, Higashioka. I Hanks just needs to be healthy, and I think he's fine. But they have so many outfielders that it's it's ridiculous. Um, and I like Glaber needs to step up for me. If I like as a Yankee fan. Gleyber Torres really needs to have like a breakout season. Now I know he homered today, which was good, but he needs to have that season like he did in 2018 to really like get me that I'm bought in. Cause if he doesn't have that, I think he's gone, which is actually okay because we still have DJ and I'd rather them keep DJ LeMahieu because he's more of a utility guy anyways. And you have Anthony Volpe who's could come up by this July if the Yankees need him or you could just keep him down there for a little bit longer until you know that Glaber Torres is not going to work out and then bring him up and you're all set at shortstop anyway. So I think the Yankees are in a good spot, but their pitching has been amazing. It's I love it. I don't, I have nothing to say against it. The fact that Talion Nestor Cortez jr. Whoever he is, I love him. Monty is actually healthy, which was a huge thing the last couple of years because that's a left big left arm that we have not had. Luis Severino finally is healthy. Severino is finally good to go. And you have Gary Cole as your ace. Um, it makes sense why now that they didn't go out for that big arm in the offseason. But is this going to last? And that's where my skepticism comes in. I'm like, well, we've seen this before. Is it really is it really going to be something that they can hold on to? But their bullpen is so good. You got Lewisga, you got Clay Holmes, you got Michael King, you got Chad Green. I mean, it, the list just goes on and on of who's so good for this Yankees team. You have Ron Wandy Peralta with a one five four ERA, Clark Schmidt one oh eight ERA, Aroldis Chapman oh seven nine with eight saves. We're eight for eight and saves the season. Uh, Michael King, I've, I love Michael King. He's been amazing. We're, he's got a two and one record in 10 games and he's gotten one save as well. It's, he's just, this team is just so good. And the batting average is amazing that the Yankees have that they allow in their pitching staff. It, I like, I'm looking at this pitching staff right now. There is no one over 300. No uh, one person. And that's Ron Manchiano. Uh, Marinchino, and I don't—I haven't even heard his name in a long time. So that's probably—he's probably back in the minors. But everyone else is under two seven five, and or two seven three and lower. 
that's such a good batting average to keep your opponents down, which means when you get into the bullpen game and you get into, into those kind of moments, you know these, these guys are going to produce for you. Yeah, and for New York, I mean, I'm still expect. I, I think they're going to be the top team in the American League right now. I, I still I, buy it. <laughs> it, I, it, it even after, because I because got to remember, my early prediction was that they were going to win the division, and yep. right, well, we'll have to come back to that when we make our second prediction, like after the All Star break or after. I think our second after the uh, trade trade deadline. Trade deadline yeah, yep. so. That, that will see if my opinion changes at that point. Yeah, because you have the Yankees. I have the Rays. We both have the Astros. We both have the White Sox, which as of right now, uh, they are two and a half games back against Minnesota. So there's still plenty of time. I mean, the Yankees and White Sox play against each other this weekend, so that'll be a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, you have Boston, Seattle, and Blue Jays in as your uh, – as your wild card teams, I have Yankees, Blue Jays, and Boston, which I think, depending on by the trade deadline, Boston will be changed by that point. <laughs> yeah, that's not that's only if you know we don't sell Bogarts or even you know some of our other pieces first. <laughs> However, your American League wild or uh, dark horse team is not doing well either. By the way, who was my dark horse team again? Detroit Tigers. Oh yeah, <laughs> we both Basically. have. We both picked a dark horse in the central. Mine is just in first place right now. Oh, okay. Um, I didn't pick the Reds, right, in the National League for a dark horse, right? <laughs> no, you did not. Okay, thank goodness because the, 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 <laughs> the Reds the Reds have been horrible. <laughs> I feel so sorry for those fans. But they should be used to it, right? Yeah, but come on. This is one of the most original franchises in baseball. It is. Yet, but here, the ownership here, is terrible. And, and here it is. It's just been awful. Yeah, like I have the Braves in the East. You have the Phillies in the East. We both have the Dodgers. Uh, we both have St. Louis, which, all right, two and a half. That's not bad. Uh, I You have the Mets, Padres, and Braves in the uh, wild card. I have Philly, Mets, and Brewers. And my Giants, okay, 19 and 12. They're still two games out for first place right now. Uh, your Brewers are in first place as your Dark Horse team in the National League. Okay. So not too bad. Yeah, so we'll definitely have to see. Detroit needs to uh, check it up. (laughs) Yeah. You always got to go reach out on a limb somewhere. Oh, you reached out. I think that branch is breaking. (laughs) Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll check on it. It's got to grow. It's got to (laughs) grow. Come on. Is this this baby Groot? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, come on. You got to have the dancing baby group and all that. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So I think this is going to lead us to our uh, on this day in sports history, which I believe you have, right? Yes, I do. And right. uh, this, I was, this last, I was, thankfully, I got that right. Th- th- this last weekend was uh, the Kentucky Derby. And yep. so there's there's a lot of horse racing. So. I mean, I'm just going to read some of these and go through some of the horse names as well. So, okay. in 1887, Kentucky Derby, Isaac Lewis won on a horse named Montrose. And then in 1888, Preakness Stakes uh, was won. Uh, Littlefield won uh, on top of a horse named uh, Refund. And then uh, 1892, Kentucky Derby, uh, Lonnie Clayton aboard Azra, uh, winning in two minutes and 41 and a half seconds and then also some of these other names uh in 
1912, the horse was named Worth. Here's my favorite one. 1918, uh, the 44th Kentucky Derby. William Knapp won on Exterminator. <laughs> what, what a name. Yeah. What a name. Yeah. And then some... Another one, uh, Raymond Sonny Workman won the Preakness Stakes on top on a horse named uh, Victorian. And then uh, here's one that Peyton Manning would have liked, the Preakness Stakes, William Saunders aboard Omaha. Uh, <laughs> Omaha, <laughs> Omaha. Yeah, and then some baseball history. You have Yogi Berra's errorless streak, errorless streak ending at 148 games in 1959. Whoa. And then 1963, Sandy Koufax drawing his second career no hitter. And and that's an amazing feat right there. Actually, I think my my grandfather actually met Sandy Koufax in New Jersey. Yeah, because he uh, stopped by their restaurant. And then here's another one with baseball. Giants trade Willie Mays to Mets for pitcher Charlie Williams in cash in 1972. Oh, what a terrible trade. Yeah, say, hey, what the heck are you doing? <laughs> yeah, what the F? <laughs> in 1980, Pete Rose, at 39, he stole second, third, and home plate in one inning for the Philadelphia Phillies. It would have been more impressive if it was all in one bat, at bat. Like, the same batter was going, and he stole all of them. Yeah, that, that would be some one for the record books. But that's yep, what yep. I got for today on this day in sports history. All right. That is brought to you by onthisday.com. I want to thank you for that. Today's quote of the day is from Martin Luther King Jr. And it's take the first step in faith. You don't have to see the whole staircase, but just take the first step. And sometimes uh, in life, you all you need to do is just take that first step and the steps will come, but you just got to take that first one. And it's always the first one that, that takes forever to get to. So from Martin Luther King Jr., take the first step in faith. You don't have to see the whole staircase. Just take the first step. So wise words once again from uh, Martin Luther King Jr. And uh, it is still applicable to this day. You know, by the way, if you haven't seen it, actually, no, I have to ask you right now. Did you watch Dr. Strange? The new one? Yes. No, not yet, but I think I'm going to see it in a few weeks. Look, I mean, I'm not one. Of, I mean, the, I, at some point I will, and I try not to spoil it for me. Okay, before maybe even though Instagram's probably going to spoil it for me because that's what it kind of did for the Spider-Man movie. <laughs> really? Well, I mean, you waited till like what May? Yeah, pretty much three weeks ago. <laughs> you yeah, like no offense. You can't say it spoiled it for you because by that point, they assume that everyone in the world has already seen it because it's been in the number one movie when it came out. <laughs> I mean, it's spoiled for some people. Come on. I mean, I saw I saw Spider-Man Homecoming the the Thursday it came out. I saw Doctor Strange the Thursday it came out. Mm-hmm. So no excuses. No excuses. Eh. <laughs> I'll make one up. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Uh, but that's going to do it for episode 20. I can't believe we made it episode 20 already. An impromptu episode 20. So yeah, at, at night. So yes, not, not during the day. This is at night. Yeah. No. Have you ever seen that one SpongeBob episode? It's like, Hey Squidward, I'm, I'm chopping lettuce at, at night. night. <laughs> yeah. Here we are. We're doing a podcast 
at night. <laughs> not practice. Not pro- not not a game. Not a game. We talk about podcasting at night. <laughs> not not go. what I love to do. Going what I love to do is talk about talk about the game, the game that I love and I would die for. We talk about podcasting at night. <laughs> yeah, you're talking Allen Iverson there. <laughs> exactly. Got to have old AI. Love old AI. Love all the old NBA players. Not as much the new ones anymore. That's why I got my Ginobili jersey on. Ginobili. Especially now that he's going into the the NBA Hall of Fame. One of my favorite players of all time. Also a lefty. So, one of the greatest lefty players of all time. Just just watching any of his clips on YouTube. It's so amazing. He's so good. I miss him. But that's going to do it for us on episode 20. Thank you again for listening, no matter where you're listening to, whether it be Google, Apple, Spotify. Uh, you can also email us at, if I remember correctly, on my cue card. Hey, there it is. MiddayManusSports.com. Again, that's MiddayManusSports.com at Gmail. Um, sports at gmail.com there it is sports at gmail.com feel free to uh, send us a request or something that you want to talk about want us to hear about want us to give our take on uh, we do want to thank you all for listening no matter where you listen again for Noah Pegler, Eric Miller signing off episode 20 stay tuned for the next episode and until next time